Today, we have a pair of entrepreneurs, Armando Pentoja, who's been with us in uh, December, and for first-time guest, Robert Kroak, uh, the creator of Silly Bands. Welcome to the show, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. So let's get started with the topic that's been, you know, a, a point of discussion for months now, which is the Bitcoin ETFs. You know, we, we everybody's expected, well, not not everybody expected, you know, some people said you, you got to sell the news, right? Buy the rumor, sell the news. So, but definitely there were a lot of excitement for the ETFs approval. And, you know, now we're seeing prices are just about where they were uh, before the, the approvals. Um, you know, people are... are uh, you know, focusing on, on the sale of, of, of about $1 billion grayscale Bitcoin trust by, uh, you know, the shares by, uh, by FTX. How do you think that affected the market dynamics and uh, investor sentiment? Yeah, I think it's just really what we just said, and that is it's a buy the rumor, sell the news. And so much of the market conditions right now, in my opinion, are based on the two things, and that is, a lot of the price action was already built in and Bitcoin, you know, was hyped up so much leading into the ETF approvals that people were so excited they've been buying for months. And that's kind of why we had that false bull run leading up to the ETFs getting approval. And then with FTX selling off 22 million shares, you know, almost a billion dollars worth um, in the grayscale Bitcoin trust, that also added to kind of this stalling effect of Bitcoin going down and the rest of the markets following it. I don't look at it as a bad thing and I don't look at it as a long-term thing. A lot of people have knee-jerk reactions to these types of news cycles and these types of action, um, but I'm not concerned with it at all. And I think overall, obviously, the ETFs getting approval finally are a great thing for cryptocurrency overall, just because it's going to give the legitimacy that we've always wanted and needed in the crypto space. So I think it's a good thing. And overall, uh, I don't think it matters at all for the price action and the future of Bitcoin and the rest of the crypto um, space. Yeah, I mean, I think some of that selling did add, so it, it added some selling pressure to the market. Uh, but but it's uh, it's short term. I, I just think that after three or four weeks, uh, the market will absorb all of those shares, uh, and then we'll be back on a, on track for bull market leading up to the halving. And how do you see the the ETFs that were uh, approved, like the the big names uh, like BlackRock and uh, Fidelity that that uh, you know launched their ETFs? How do you see that affecting uh, you know the capital flow? in and out of, of uh, you know, Grayscale, uh, Grayscale's Bitcoin ETF. Armando? Yeah, okay. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, what you know, so at this point, if you're looking at the market, uh, a lot of investors can make a decision on buying the actual asset Bitcoin or they can buy the ETF, right? So I think it's kind of divided some investor attention. but uh, But like Robert said before is that, the ETF is can only be good for Bitcoin because it's it's increased the legitimacy of of the you know Bitcoin and the, really the overall crypto market in general. So you know, however the capital flows, I think over time, uh, Bitcoin will benefit from having those ETFs approved. Yeah, and we have to remember too, there's massive, massive amounts of capital that haven't really touched in the crypto space yet. 
because they're through Fidelity, they're through BlackRock, they're through ARK Investments. These are big family offices. These are wealthy families. These are astute investors who didn't want to delve into crypto just yet because they wanted a safer way to do it. And so now that the BlackRocks and Fidelities of the world are able to do that and able to provide that service, I think that is where the excitement and the capital flow into the crypto markets makes a huge difference. And that's the exciting part for us, the people that have been doing it forever, is that that's going to just bolster the credibility of the overall market and be a good thing for the long term. Because a lot of those people have sat on the sidelines because they didn't want to trust just going and opening up a crypto account and dumping in $10 million or a million dollars or whatever their amount might be. So I think overall, there it's obvious that this is really great for the long term um, capital flows into the crypto market. And I still think, I mean, ETFs only, what, two weeks old? I think some, like, again, again, to Robert's point, some of the capital is just still waiting on the sidelines because they're trying to see how this situation is going to unfold. ETFs are still very new. People still have some trust issues with the ETFs, even though that, you know, to to me is legitimized Bitcoin 100%. But some people may still be a little bit uh, apprehensive. And I've I've read a a couple of articles that said as much. People are still apprehensive. People still are mistrustful. So it may take, you know, months, maybe even a year or maybe even multiple years of the ETF before all, you know, a lot of the capital will start to flow in because people have to trust it, know, see how it works, see how it's operating. And then over time, that trust will go up. Yeah. So it, it definitely could be a, a long term play rather than, uh, you know, some people expected it overnight to. To change the way the market looks. And yeah, I- you got to think of a lot of the people who are afraid of Bitcoin, if you put yourself in the mind of somebody like that, that the ETF didn't alleviate all the fears. Just, I mean, it's just one small step towards, uh, you know, them accepting it as a true asset. So it's a long-term play. And you have to also look at the fact that there's tens of billions of dollars are going to be dumped into this market, you know, right now as we speak over the coming months. And so it's not an overnight thing. You know, they're going to look for the retraction. I mean, I called it, Armando called it. I felt we would see a retraction in the markets upon the announcement because of the buy the rumor, sell the news kind of phase we were in with the prices. And so I think that's just an important factor to look at that none of this is overnight. And it takes time when you're using, you know, when you're moving that much money and also when you're dealing with these larger you know, companies and investors that want to make sure their money is safe. What about current price action? How do you guys see, uh, you know, the factors that that influence, uh, you know, the price right now? And how do they compare to historical trends, you know, with the Bitcoin chart? Well, if you look back historically, there was was always a drop before the halving, right? And and people, and and I've been in, this is my third uh, halving event uh, before and after. And I always notice the same pattern is that people feel like they're having, you know, it's going to it's going to be an instant effect. Right. Is that as soon as the having happens because of what, 40, 50 or 80 percent. And it never happens like that. It's always a drop before the having passes. And then, you know, Bitcoin doesn't really respond in price uh, for like maybe a month or two, maybe even more afterwards. Right. Is that that's what I think. The same thing is happening before. It's like we were quick to forget how the same exact pattern happened before. You know, you know, I just don't think that the 
I think that, you know, the having is going to be a, it's going to be a bigger effect than the last cycles having in 2020. Uh, but I just think it's not going to be as, as instant either. It's going to take a while for it to, you know, maybe a month or two before it starts soaking into the market. Um, and then you've got minor capitalization that's going to happen. Uh, maybe even, it may be even, it, are, it may, it may have already started to happen. I don't, I don't know, but, uh, but yeah, so I just think that we're, we're really right on the, the track of, uh, of Bitcoin going to that, what I've always said, you know, 100,000 this year and 250,000 at the peak. Uh, so I think we're on the track. We're, we're, we're right on, on target, right? Like me, like I said, we said before, me and Robert have been saying for months that there'd be a 30% or more retraction from the peak uh, before the having, you know, started. And that's what's, ha- it seems like that's what's happening now. So uh, we're right on track, uh, right? We need to be in order for Bitcoin to reach historic highs. And another way to look at this, let's let's flip the coin over for a second, is that we assumed there was going to be this bump in the road, this retraction. So, but this this having is different because there's so much, so many new people and so much big institutional money that's being put into the Bitcoin space and in the crypto space. So this having could be different where once we get over this pullback that we're in right now, and we're already seeing that happening. Uh, if you look at the price action of Bitcoin this morning, um, we could see this just really pivot and just keep going and not have a continued drawdown going into the having because of the hype cycle. Right now, it kind of caught people off guard. I warned everyone that'll listen last week and the week before that, hey, don't expect to jump in the day before the ETFs are approved and then all of a sudden you're rich overnight. There's going to be a little bit of a bumpy road, but it might not last as long as people think. We could see this thing turn around on a dime and just go bonkers in the coming weeks leading up to the halving. So that's the other take we could see. And the take the take that I think is more likely going into the halving, um, but people need to expect that it could take a couple months after the halving to really flush out like in the past and get to that 60, 80, 100K mark, which we believe could happen by the end of this year. Do you have a breakdown for that by uh, quarters? Like first quarter, right, of the year, we're going to think uh, it's going to get to how much, 50K? Or or do you have a price target? Or do you think it's going to stay, you know, going sideways until the halving? And then, you know, second quarter, we're going to see a bump? Or, or, or you think, you know, like, how do you see it? Uh, the way we look at it internally with our team is, is that if Bitcoin broke below 41,500, we could see it retract to 32, 34, 35,000. And it didn't do that this week. Um, we found good support in that 38, $39,000 range, and now it's back up over $40,000. So we might not see that retracement that we thought could have happened down to the lower $32,000, $33,000 range. So moving forward, my estimations have been that I believe after the halving, let's call it leading into Q3 of this year, uh, that I felt we could be between $65,000 and $80,000 based on you know our internal study and belief and what, what we've seen in the past. Um, but you don't know anyone that says they have a price target and they know what it's going to be. They're just wrong because of the fact 
that they just don't know. No one really knows. And we have so much volatility in the markets, which we hope will smooth out. And so that that's my price prediction going into Q3 and Q4. Um, but it could be wildly off. I mean, we could see $125,000 by the end of this year. It's really tough to tell with this much money going into the market and with the you know, euphoria leading up to the having and the summer bull run that everyone believes is going to happen. Yeah, I agree with a lot of uh, what Robert said. It's very difficult to predict. Uh, I still feel like we're going to get we're, we're get to a hundred thousand sometime this year. Uh, and next year, I can see us being at somewhere two around two fifty sometime next year. Uh, I, and like I said, it's, it's very hard to predict exactly where and when it's going to happen. But that's just what I feel. Uh, based on previous cycles uh, and some, you know, reading some of the charts and technical analysis that our team does, I just feel like that's a very good uh, case uh, going forward. Yeah. And anyone that's listening, got to remember that uh, even if those targets will, you know, will be hit, there's still going to be a lot of action along the way. You know, there's could be yeah. a very violent uh, retractions and, and, and movements to, to either side. Yeah, it's not going to be a straight up path, right? It's going to be like exactly like you said, violent retractions, uh, a lot of volatility, ups and downs, you know, negative news, positive news driving the market. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a turbulent, uh, you know, next 18 months. So you just got to be prepared. I do think that with the ETF approval and so many of the largest institutions involved, we will see less volatility. That's my opinion, especially when everything gets rolling. Just because there's going to be manipulation on the positive side of this, and so we've already seen that, to where there's going to be less volatility because all of the big, big players are in now, and they won't have a reason to try and manipulate the price for downward pressure because of this. So it's, it's you know, I disagree a little bit that I think we'll see less volatility than we have in past years, um, but, but we'll all see soon enough. Yeah, I'm 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 hoping you're right. Uh, I'm not saying it as a you know just just to be cautious because um, we we've seen a lot of surprises in the past. You know, when when you least expect them, you know, some uh, exchange uh, implodes or something. You know, <laughs> there's always there's always an interesting uh, there's always interesting news on the horizon. Well, crypto has proven to be you know when it looks good, prices drop. And when no one's looking, prices skyrocket. And it's been a zig and a zag kind of situation for many, many years now. And that's why I tell people, don't pay attention to the daily prices, zoom out, and just dollar cost average in like any other traditional investment. And, you know, you'll be fine later on because it's going to go up into the right over time. And to keep your uh, mental state better that way too. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I go on my lives all the time and people are like, oh, did you see the price of Bitcoin today? Did you see the price of Ethereum today or Chainlink? I'm like, no, I don't look at the prices every day. I'm not concerned with the daily action. I'm concerned with the long-term adoption and where the crypto market is going. That's definitely the right approach. So speaking about uh, you know, the larger the, the crypto market and adoptions, uh, what are the top three sectors that you you know, you think are, are, are the best right now to follow? Well, in my opinion, and we've kind of put this together as a team, I think the top three sectors people should be looking at is crypto gaming, AI, and DeFi. 
uh, moving forward, let's call it over the next year. I just think we're going to see a ton of growth in those three sectors. All of cryptocurrencies are going to rise, but I think these three sectors are going to be really, really strong in the adoption phase of things. And so some of my favorites and some of the call-outs Armando and I have had is Fetch AI, I think is a really good one, Ocean Protocol, Nakamoto Games, uh, AVAX. Uh, I think there's just some really strong projects in these sectors that are going to do really well over the next you know year to two years that are going to be more of these standout projects. Um, so we're really excited about those three sectors. And, uh, you know, we just covered it in our first episode of the Crypto Trends podcast. Um, so, yeah, I think those are the three sectors I'm most excited about where we're going to see a ton of growth and uh, and price action. And have you seen any uh, interesting innovations that, uh, you know, from those sectors that can uh, help shape the crypto market? Um, I think so. I think there's a lot of innovation throughout all of those, especially AI and crypto gaming. Um, but I also think there's other sectors that are untouched right now, too, that are just starting to grow from a market cap and an eyeballs perspective. You know, one of my favorites that I haven't heard anyone talk about in Armando I've been talking about is um, decentralized science. And I really like this because it's it's so cool to see these projects that are leveraging blockchain and Web3 for developments in research and the science sector. And there's a couple coin projects in there that I really like. Data Lake is one of them, Invite a DAO. So I think there's just quite a bit of development now, and we're out of this kind of stagnation phase where there's a lot of new uses and disruption in, in uh, blockchain in some of these sectors. You know, I called out Fetch AI um, over, I think it was two years ago, and it was one of the biggest winners, you know, in the crypto markets, you know, for 2023. So that that's a strong one. And like I mentioned, Ocean Protocol and also AGIX is one people should not sleep on. Uh, one that I like is uh, ICP. Uh -huh. And the reason why ICP is an internet computer protocol, and, and it's, it, more, you know, more or less, it's, a, it's an alternative to, you know, corporate uh, cloud services. And I'm a soft, I used to be a software engineer. I still think I am one, but I haven't done it in a few years. But I, that's what I was trained as. That's where, I, that's where uh, industry I come from. Um, and over the last decade, maybe even 15 years, there was a big move away from hosting your own servers to uh, cloud services, you know, Azure, you know, uh, Amazon, AWS. So it's been a big move for, for hosted services over the last 10 years or so. And I think that ICP could be a good alternative to, to AWS is expensive, you know, and I don't know if people know that it, it's a good product for its, uh, for what it does, but it is relatively expensive. And I think a ICP, if they could provide a more efficient, uh, you know, cheaper service over time, uh, it could be a good idea and maybe even a good, you know, uh, a good coin, a good token. I mean, uh, but like I said, we're still like 10 years out from that five years out from them making a real impact in that industry. But I, I like the way that they do business and I like the, uh, the technology that they have. So I think that's a good one going forward. Yeah. Those, those all sound very interesting. And, uh, yeah, the, the concept of, uh, decentralized science is, um, you know, definitely exciting one, right? If we can see real 
changes being made to, you know, people's lives, you know, beyond finance, right? That that something is going to be, uh, uh, you know, a, a real uh, proof of concept, you know, for for entire uh, segment, right? So I wanted to ask you. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, gaming is one of the sectors, uh, Robert. So how do you see uh, blockchain uh, affecting the the gaming industry? I think it really goes to the core of how blockchain for any sector, but specifically gaming, it allows for more efficiency in building decentralized gaming platforms. So it really just is overall better for the players, better for security and for online payments. And so it just really makes it more efficient you know, people a lot of times don't look at gaming sector as being an important part of blockchain development. And it really is because the audience in the adoption rate in gaming is so much higher than many other sectors. And so I think blockchain really just helps with the efficiencies throughout that sector, but also it prevents the scams. And so that's what I like about it, because one of the number one things that hurts crypto over the years and has always hurt crypto as a whole is the advanced level of the scams and people losing their money because of it. And now it's going to get worse and worse throughout all securities markets and throughout all investment markets. And that's why I think blockchain is so great for the future and will revolutionize gaming as it is right now in front of our eyes. Okay. So, um, Robert, I wanted to ask you about uh, AI uh, integration in uh, crypto projects. And, you know, how do, how do you see it? Which uh, benefits do you think it brings? For me, AI, I would say the biggest benefits kind of really just overlay with what we just discussed in gaming. And that is it's just better for security and fraud protection, but it also adds scalability and really, really helps in data management. So I would say for me, that would be the biggest advantages of AI and the cross-pollinization into cryptocurrency projects is just helping everyone throughout their back end to help make things more seamlessly and more scalable. That would be my takeaway. And I know Armando's got some good takes on that as well. Yeah. So uh, I think the biggest opportunity of AI is the uh, implement is, is the is DAOs, right? Uh, decentralized autonomous organizations on uh, you know different blockchains uh you know primarily it's ethereum but you can build them on on multiple blockchains uh because i mean if you think about the structure of a dao right is a dao is is more or less a business on the blockchain right is that but it could do more things but that's mostly what people use it for and people buy tokens and the tokens uh people the token holders are able to vote on different decisions that the company makes um that's a perfect that's a perfect opportunity for ai uh to become a, a true asset, right? Is that, let's say, for example, we have AI that can, you know, run a call center, for example, right? Uh, and so, and we develop a, a system that can take calls and, and, you know, and people pay for this service. Well, if you connect that service to a DAO, people can actually own parts of that model, that AI model that runs that, that call center. And as the call center brings in money uh, for people, let's say, for example, if I have a tech company, I want somebody to take my calls, I can pay the the uh, AI model, the the DAO can run the AI model, and then the profits are distributed through the token holders. So 
that's a way for people to, for AI to become an asset, right? Different AI models. Uh, and that's just one example. That could be hundreds or even thousands of examples. That's a way that we can, you first democracy, make it, you know, add democracy into that to where anybody can own it. And secondly, um, is to turn these AI models into true assets. So I think uh, connecting AI with DAOs is a great opportunity uh, that a lot of people are starting to see right now. And I think that's going to be part of, uh, AI is going to be a big part of the narrative regardless, but I think that particular pair is going to be a big uh, a big narrative uh, over the next year. Yeah, plus AI is uh, you know taking over the, the business world, it seems. Everyone is focused right now on, on you know, integrating AI in almost every service. So definitely, um, you know, crypto should, should be a part of that. And, and uh, you know, because it's, if you think about it as native currency of the internet, right, then it's just logical for, for AI to, to use uh, crypto as its uh, payment mechanism. But, uh, you know, we'll see in the future how, how, do, how does that uh, turn out. Okay, guys, so uh, can you tell me or tell our audience and everyone that's, uh, you know, that, that wants to hear more more from you guys and, uh, you know, follow you about uh, the, the new podcast that you mentioned? Yes. So we are very excited. Today was our launch, actually, uh, on Spotify and all platforms for the Crypto Trends podcast uh, with Armando and myself. And you can find it on Instagram at crypto trends podcast my personal handle on instagram is at robert croak and on tiktok it is at robert croak official all of my accounts are verified so please don't fall for any of the uh the fake accounts those are my accounts and armando go ahead yeah so uh mine is talk a tycoon uh everywhere on all major platforms on twitter as an underscore before talk a tycoon that's the only place i couldn't get my name uh, but like I said, is that you can find me on Crypto Trends Podcast, uh, and that's at Crypto Trends Podcast. That's on every major platform as well. Wonderful. Wish you guys uh, a lot of success, and uh, you know a- a- anyone that's uh, that that wants to get some smart insight should should follow you guys. Thanks, man. Sounds good. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And thank you for listening to the Bitcoin.com News Podcast. Follow us for more interviews with the most interesting leaders, founders, and investors in the fields of cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, NFTs, and the metaverse.